0: lately i don't know i've been having a hard time calling myself an artist i really i really think of myself as like a very skilled craftsman and in a way that almost feels something i am almost more proud of that
1: conversations with artists from around the globe about the work behind their work. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the host of this podcast, but I am a choreographer and contemporary dancer based in Tangier, Morocco. Being fascinated by unique perspectives, my goal is to bring you an in-depth look at each artist's individual creative process, learning more about what it is that drives a person to create hello and welcome back or welcome if it's your first time listening i am so excited to introduce my guest conversationalist for today Um, it is my first actor that i've been speaking with which i'm very excited about because I used to do a lot of theatre when I was younger and still really miss it to this day. So it was so much fun to relive that a little bit today with the artist that I'm speaking with. Ellen Humphreys is a New Mexico-based actress, originally born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she got her 1st on-set SAG film experience fresh out of high school as a stand-in, driving double, background casting associate, and more. After receiving her BFA in theater arts, she moved to Los Angeles and found Leslie Kahn's Comedy Intensive. With a year of audition practice and practical job skills beneath her belt, she moved to New Mexico to find her place in its blossoming film and television business. Her love of acting was founded upon and will forever be fueled by her absolute adoration of the spoken word, which is something that we talk about today. Some of her past productions include In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play by Sarah Rule, Home with a View of a Monster, In the films, Outlaws Don't Get Funerals, and Running with the Devil, which features Nicolas Cage and Laurence Fishburne. She will also be in an upcoming CBS All Access series called Interrogation. Ellen has such a bright, lovely energy, and I had an amazing time talking with her, tapping back into my aspiring theater kid childhood self and living vicariously through her stories of working in the business and art of acting. Which it really is a balance of both, business and art. In this conversation, we talk about her path to becoming the actor she is today, language and a fascination with people being her starting point of her career, the importance of community and her personal process of preparing for a role, the conversational nature of acting, and we have a great discussion on whether being an actor is more of an art or a craft. I got so into this conversation with her. It was really just like chatting with a friend about our shared interests and shared passions. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Here is my conversation with Ellen Humphreys. So welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you. Thank you. you. Um, I always, I think you've you've listened to this before, so you know I always start them in the same place. Um, and I'd like to ask you, what is your first memory of creating something?
0: Hmm, I guess I could have been prepared for this. It's
1: um, it's more fun I'm... to be spontaneous. I think. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I definitely remember uh, being super young and um, creativity being all about like what's physically around me. Mm -hmm. Like very, I loved to build things out of sticks and rocks and grass, and you know, little build little like enclosures for roly polies, which didn't always end up so well for the roly polies. Yeah, poor guys. (laughs) um, But I—that's a you know lesson I guess I had to learn. Um, But like you know, mixing things that I would call potions that were just like in a sloth of outside stuff, Mm -hmm. and then I don't know when it changed. Maybe like middle school, that creativity became about language for me, about words.
1: Oh, interesting. Because I
0: maybe I realized that I'm not so good with the outside stuff, I'm like not so good with my hands. <laughs> maybe the poor roly polies. <laughs> Fair enough. So again, yeah, I'm like a little bit of like a caveman with my hands. But mm. I had, I always had such an affinity for language and for words and for being able to like craft a sentence that sounds nice mm. when you read it on paper. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of where I've, that's where I've been propelled from the whole time, I think.
1: Oh, that's cool. So were you writing a lot when you were younger?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember running out of space on my first laptop from, like, <laughs> wow. documents and text, which, like, oh, I God. didn't know was possible.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that was possible with documents and text either. <laughs> that's crazy. Um,
0: and I guess probably also early 2000s computer viruses. But, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what do I know? But I, I would write so much. I would write these, like I, like, I mean, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of words on these documents about, like, just people. Like, they didn't really follow plots. I would not be a good, like, screenwriter or playwright. Because um, <laughs> yeah. they don't really have a great sense of, like, compelling plot. But I loved but... words and people. And so. Mm,
1: that's beautiful. Yeah. So would you write fiction stories for the most part?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wrote mostly, mostly fiction and I did a lot of um, like adapting of stories that I would either read, like books I would read in school. Mm. Um, I remember doing it with all the first Shakespeare plays we read, of Amazing. taking the characters and like, you know, doing. I feel like it's a very common like middle school, high school thing to want to do to take those characters, put them in the modern mm. day and like write about them and see what happens. Yeah. I did a lot of yeah. that
1: too. I was also very yes. enjoying stories like this when I was younger. So I feel you with that. <laughs>
0: Yes, I love it. That's so great. I really feel like Amazing. that that um, helped me want to be an actor because it was all yeah. about the people for me.
1: Mm, that makes so much sense. So when did when did performance start to weave into that?
0: Well, my I always like very distinctly remember my first desire to act. The first mm-hmm. time I ever felt that was when I was like I guess I was in middle school. My my older brother was maybe a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And he is a a really shy dude, not so much anymore, but especially when he was young, was super, super shy. But he was in this play and he was, it was like an adaptation of Joan of Arc. And he was, he played the um, Cardinal, the bad guy who sentences Joan to death. And my like meek older brother who has, uh, you know, very slight stature and is like not a, that you, like doesn't seem like a big powerful dude yeah. when you see him in person stood up on that stage and was this big powerful person and was just so deeply immersed in his character and so unselfconscious about it in any way mm. that I was like lord and I was like I want to do that <laughs> yeah it's magic <laughs> I just yeah I think it was just so powerful that I was like I want to do that I want to yeah. feel I want to feel this again even yeah. just from being in the audience And it, uh, and it really is, it is feeling the same thing.
1: Absolutely. Were you also a bit meek or did you have a kind of opposite personality of him? No, No. I was
0: like, I was the only girl, middle child, very extroverted. Um, It was easier for me to make friends as a kid, like, but so, so, so people weren't surprised when I was in the place, but they were Right.
1: (laughs) 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 right still. That's great.
0: He's a big, he is, he was a big and always will be a big inspiration to me.
1: Amazing. Amazing. I love that you, that people was kind of your first fascination that led you into acting. So was it, what was it about people that you were fascinated by? What details were you drawn to?
0: Maybe just the, I like the, or the realization rather that we all are like, people (laughs) that we're all that like my experience of going through life and having all of these thoughts in my head and having all of these sensations in my body and all of these like feelings in my heart all the Mm -hmm. time that constant super long inner narrative that monologue that's going on all the time is happening for everyone all the time and it justifies everything they do yeah it allows them to think that they are in the right no matter what they're doing and like that there it's so fascinating it's like yeah. it makes any character that i get the opportunity to even audition for like mm-hmm. i i get to see like the, how 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 not that far away they are from me no matter how wacky the story is
1: right yeah that makes so much sense do you remember the first character that you played
0: I thought ah remember the first character I played,
1: or maybe like remember a, the, a I remember the first one when you were play younger. I was in, yeah,
0: I guess actually, I guess this was the first like real play I was in, woof <laughs> um <laughs> wow. it was in it was in like early high school was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, but I played this like this like grown woman having an affair. she was like the mistress of the main character, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> so I'm like, on stage in this like silk slip as wow. like, an undeveloped thirteen year old being like hello. <laughs>
1: that's no. so high school though the plays they make you yeah. do in high school I mean even just looking oh. back on like why everyone does Grease it's really bizarre <laughs> to me
0: <laughs> it's like that video of those like little just toddlers doing Scarface
1: yeah oh my it's god kind of exactly <laughs> that's that is basically what we do um,
0: <laughs> so like a lot of my that's early great. memories of plays were a lot of like surviving I feel like trying to figure out Mm-hmm. what I was doing how to not be self-conscious how to just like try to be present on stage yeah um, yeah. yeah that's an early start
1: for it though I mean already in high school <laughs> yeah
0: it's interesting as I get older to see that characters I think I I do less of like the idea of building a character now okay. i do more of um when i'm doing my my prep work what does this person think like what are their thoughts like that's something that i learned from my teacher leslie khan mm, yeah. uh, so i write i'll write down at the beginning like a bunch of things that this person would be thinking like i just kind of yeah. like work on like or like just sit there and think like what would my inner monologue be like as this person uh, yeah. and then as you go through the lines just figure out what they're thinking when they're saying everything and it's really honestly at this point uh, in my like film, television, acting career, I almost yeah. feel like its I'm more of like a woodworker, more of a craftsman. Oh, that's than, fascinating. Um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Than, than a painter or something. Yeah, you're
1: like chipping away at something as opposed to like making something more kind of external, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like I think yeah. I'm figuring out what it, what it is and then executing it instead yeah. of um, bringing in a bunch of like external creativity. I feel like I'm more like a scientist, like figuring out what mm. is needed of me on the page
1: yeah that makes so much sense okay I want to I, I love that and I want to get into like that even more but I want to talk a little bit more about your background leading up to where you are now oh, yeah um I was just like really excited to talk to you because I was a huge theater kid <laughs> in high school I was like and even in middle school I did yes. so many plays musical theater Shakespeare like all of it and actually Shakespeare was my favorite so I was very excited to see you've done a lot of Shakespeare as well <laughs> yeah. um so I was, just, I'm just curious because I, when I was in, when I was like 12 or something, it was really my dream. Like I'm going to be a film actress. Like I was sure that was what I was going to do. And I was wondering if you had any sort of sense of that when you were younger as well. Is that something you dreamed about or did it kind of develop later?
0: Well, I've always been a bit of a know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And I definitely remember
0: vividly. <laughs> I <can>. Yeah, <laughs> that the only one. I definitely remember in high school um, saying, I'm going to be doing film and television. I'm not going to be doing theater because I don't want to be poor my whole life. I don't want to like, sh- like suffer and struggle. I don't think that's what it has to be. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to make a living and like own a home and maybe have a family and definitely have some horses. And you can't do that with, with <laughs> you a theater. theater actor budget um, sure. or a theater actor lifestyle. It requires you to that's live in so a major practical. profit. And that was yeah. never my desire. I never want I'm not a city girl. I okay. wanted to try it. I glad I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually went to theater school in Boston. Um, okay. but yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be an actor pretty young. Like I was pretty confident that I was going to be like trying it for real, that I was, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I was, yeah, at, the, at the time I thought if there's something else that could make me happy, I'll try that. Like if yeah. something else comes up and I think that I can do that and that can make me happy too, I'll do that instead because this is a hard life but Mm -hmm. right now there's not anything else. So I'll just do this. Yeah. So I went to Boston and I did the conservatory program at BU. So it's like, you know, six days a week of class and you're in rehearsals till 11 at night. And it's just like, it's your whole, it's your whole life. And it's like, you know, you're in a room with 40 people for four years straight. Yeah. Um, And it was like, you know, in the middle of Boston and it was my college experience and it was so wonderful. Um and definitely taught me a lot as a person and as far as my partner. Um, but then I needed after school I moved to Los Angeles and actually learned everything I needed to learn to work as an actor. Like right, I hadn't learned anything <laughs> valuable, like in terms of like how to get a job, how to keep yeah. a job. So uh, yeah, I definitely. learned all that from Leslie Khan in Amazing. LA. Who, I mean, how did you find her, by the way? Um, she was just like on She she pops up on every list of like best acting teachers in L.A. And I kind of got wow. to a point in L.A. where I was like, I need to be back in class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had studied for four years. So at first I thought I don't want to be in acting class again. But eventually I was like, OK, it's, it's just worthwhile to be around other actors, other people who are in the same position as me, like ground level, mm-hmm. you know, find collaborators, you know, be able to see their journeys and sort of know like what the next steps are like. Uh, And at Leslie Con, I like got so much more than I bargained for. It's such an excellent, she's such an excellent teacher and it's such an excellent little institution. Um, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that really is what propelled me here because Mm -hmm. there we were, you know, we were weekly, we were in class, we were rehearsing, like, you know, just practicing, like hammering away at the work. Mm Mm-hmm. Multiple rehearsals every week plus class every week, uh, and then we would have these check-ins every week to really talk about what we're doing tangibly mm-hmm. to move forward. Yeah. And I don't know how the idea came up. I think my mom suggested it to move yeah. here because there's a little there's a little blossoming film and television industry here. Um, that's or that's incredible. how I would have described it when I first moved. Now I would describe it as a little bit booming.
1: Wow, in Santa <laughs> uh, Fe, yeah. would have thought. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mostly out of Albuquerque, but we do have up okay. here, we have like we have a casting office up here and a lot of stuff shoots up here mm-hmm. and it's only an hour away, so. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, that I think, yeah, coming here uh, was the huge, it was, it was the biggest and most useful step so far, but yeah. obviously I couldn't have done it without all those other steps.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of periods of like very intensive study of acting which
0: Absolutely. is good
1: like in the time but I think too much of that can often lead to burnout so it sounds like you've taken the right steps to maybe put yourself a little bit more like where you can also live your life at the same time and not just be yeah. immersed in the acting world 24 7. I think
0: it can also trap people that they people yeah. who their desire isn't to teach or to stay in like a study setting can find themselves too comfortable in it and can just like mm. never leave because obviously it's so hard and scary to start fresh especially in a new market entirely yeah uh so I've seen a lot of people like you know stay at the university stay at like acting school just you know follow a path that they're not interested in because it's more comfortable and yeah can be tricky so I've I've always tried to limit myself to be like okay this there's an amount of time that you go and you spend money and you work Mm -hmm. and you you, or and you study and then there's a time when you go and you make money and you work and like you right. have to know when to do each.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm also interested in all of the the studying that you did and then the program with Leslie Kahn, because I think it's there's so many different like methods and theories of how to become an actor. And so how mm-hmm. do you go about choosing what's right for you? And then, you know, a lot of times in different artistic forms we talk about developing your voice. And mm. since I'm not an actor, I don't know exactly what that looks like in terms of theater and film, but How would you how would you define like creating your own voice as an actor and what does that look like for you?
0: That's so interesting. I've just never heard it or not in so long have I heard like actor work put into like the terms of artistry. I mean, in film and television, it could be so so sort of businessy. Yeah. And that's why I was interested in this. Yeah. Yeah. uh it, but it's so wonderful um Good. because so much of like when you're trying to work in film and television so much of your work is business and it's like personal branding and it's seeing yeah. like having to objectively look at yourself from the outside and see like what does the average person or worse the average tv exec think when they see me sure. because that's what i'm going to be working as um and not until you know i've built my reputation for being good at doing what I look like can will right. anybody give me the opportunity to do something that I don't look like um but I think what's super important for actors is knowing like what opportunities are worth doing sorry this mm. I don't know how yeah. our, it's like kind of kind of roundabout but no no that's okay <laughs> our you know everything we do it, it's it's like it's it's us it's our face it's our body that's that's telling a story that's like that's sharing someone else's work and so Mm -hmm. i have tried to be as careful as i can with who i give my voice and body and self to like whose story Mm -hmm. i'm telling so it can be hard when you're like in the beginning stages of being an actor to say no to an opportunity because it feels like anything is going to be a step forward. Like if I can get any acting job, it's going to be mm-hmm. more than what I had before. It's going to be something else on my resume, something, another reason that an exec is going to want to hire me instead of someone else for a job. Absolutely. But if, yeah, it, I, I, I have found myself in many situations where I have to not take something that could be an opportunity, but yeah. is telling a story that I don't think should be told or I don't want to be part of telling. Mm, Yeah. And that's, I think, the way I have found to, like, express my voice as an individual and and, like a creative person, because I am passionate about telling stories that aren't being told already. Yeah. um, Or or, and empowering the people who need to tell those stories to get to tell them like I'm not trying to tell those stories for them, but (laughs) that it can be. Yeah, I I don't want to compromise a future collaborator's trust in me by having been a part of something that is you know just doesn't align with my values
1: yeah yeah that's really well put and i think that's interesting because it's not even necessarily only about the acting technique but it's about having a really strong sense of self also
0: yeah so i think that's important to cultivate
1: yeah
0: yeah because we, we can play so many characters like no matter what we have like i think so much of our training is like just getting rid of stuff is like breaking down the like habits and the the boundaries and the like all the things we've built up that make us who we are so mm-hmm. that we know what it is to let all those go so that we can be someone else like you do I think you do have to do that like you have to you have to understand your habits you have to understand you know yourself your thoughts your patterns mm-hmm. like who you it's tough because it's a lot of like tough inner work definitely to, to basically say like Because what you have to say is like that—that's all okay. This is all okay about me. I don't think it's bad. I'm not taking it off forever, but I have to know how is a skill to take off everything that makes me me, so that I can put on or Mm. or step into someone else.
1: Yeah. Well, I've never heard it put like that before. I love that though. It's almost like (laughs) self therapy in a way. It is.
0: It really is. I think there's a lot of like I. So much of my work, I think, so much of what has like made me good at what I do is the like. Day to day, just like watching myself, like self awareness and understanding all, like, especially my physical habits, but everything Mm. about me, my vocal habits, um, yeah, thought patterns, everything, yeah, so that you can see where, um, you know, when a character is not similar to you, how, uh, like, if you know, I'm here, like, how far to either side I'm going,
1: yeah, if that makes sense. It does make sense yeah you were saying that you like to tell specific stories that you want to hear told um can you talk about maybe a specific project you've done recently that's done that
0: yeah it's actually not a project i did as an actor but there's something i have in mind Uh, yeah it so i I work in a casting office here as my Mm -hmm. day job Um, i'm a casting assistant and it's super i i love it it's it's like almost as fun as acting (laughs) amazing yeah Um, But I was, I had the opportunity to do lead casting on my first project, which was uh, a Sundance org, um, or a Sundance Foundation short called Mm -hmm. The Daily Life of Mistress Red, Mm -hmm. uh, directed by an awesome uh, Indigenous female director, uh, Pishon Bread. Yeah, so I got to work with her and hire a a predominantly Indigenous cast, um, Oh, actually, maybe not in numbers. There's uh, there's quite a few white smaller roles, but yeah. um, but the lead role but it was, too. yeah, it was awesome to get to like really see our like incredibly talented indigenous talent pool in wow. New Mexico and like the surrounding areas. We had we actually had people submit from all over, including Canada. Um, That's
1: incredible. But that was
0: yeah like just an amazing story that Pishan is telling, and it's going to be. Mm-hmm an amazing film they actually just finished shooting it this weekend but that was something that I was so so proud to be a part of because I mean like truly what could be a better more like fulfilling opportunity than being able to give Native women acting jobs like that's my dream absolutely
1: (laughs) yeah that's incredible yeah Yeah. that's something I think about a lot too in terms of work is just how to like create platforms to lift other people up more and it's something yeah. i think we can often get kind of self-involved sometimes as artists are solved but it's good to like open up and remember it can help give voices to others or just you know support other people and yeah i think it's important to be really connected to that
0: yeah i think especially especially here in new mexico because it's a small market it's, you know a very uh low density population here mm-hmm. it like i think every act of creativity in this market breeds more creativity in this market every show brings another show every time an actress who is maybe my type and is, gets a role that I went out for mm-hmm. her getting that role br- I think brings another role for us here Absolutely. like I think that there's just there we can only like our success breeds our success especially That's here so but true. I also believe that everywhere mm-hmm. um but here I just you know I can see it yeah, <laughs> I, can feel I it love I
1: that's so important to have that around you, too, because it's inspiring and I think it's probably motivating, too.
0: It's incredible. Yeah, people. I mean, our the, our market here is incredible. Like our talent pool is so diverse and talented and from so many different life experiences.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this is I think this is the best place in the world to make a movie right now.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. And it just I sounds like can, you also have like a community over competition mindset, which is so nice to
0: absolutely. be in that. There's something I think about that's
1: really imperative, at, yeah.
0: You must know, there's something about living in the desert that brings people together. It's like you have yeah. to have each other to survive.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely.
0: There's definitely a really wonderful sense of community here in New Mexico. That's absolutely. And in, in the industry especially. It's so cool to see like actually there have been like there's like a sound guy and a, a couple of gals in the costume department. Uh, that I have been on like three or four projects with and each yeah. time all of us have like kind of gotten a raise like we've all
1: like you oh, know I amazing. started out as like
0: a day player and then I was like oh no like, like a slightly better one and then I was like a guest star and like you know he yeah. started like at the you know at the like being an assistant and then he was the main sound guy um, so, so it's like really patting cool. each other on the
1: back like a jump yeah
0: <laughs> it's really cool to like watch yeah. each other grow even like outside of your department it's mm-hmm. really cool I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and get back to your own personal process um so when you do get a role what is kind of the first step that you take in order to begin to take that on you were talking about trying to think of the character's thoughts um Mm. so maybe just elaborating a bit more on that
0: yeah well I I would say I do all of this when I get the audition um Mm, okay and then when you get the role, it's just getting more material and mm-hmm. like getting to get getting to like, learn deep, more and go deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the audition, I start with, you know, I print off all the materials, I have it all hard copy style and I do, I, I really, I do pretty much what Leslie Con taught me to do first. <laughs> I like sit down and read every single word on the entire page. Like any, like mm-hmm. down to scene numbers, page numbers. You know, it'll say exterior or interior. It'll say day or night at the beginning of the scene. Like just any small piece of information I can get um, mm-hmm. and just pour over every single word. Um, and we do this thing. Um, I forget what it's called. Oh, cover up the page. Because <laughs> you're covering up the page. <laughs> <laughs> you like you cover up what's below you and you read um like you read the line and then you have the thought that is the reaction to that line. Mm. And then you read the next line and then you have the thought that's the reaction to that line. And then, because that often informs mm. the next thing you say, you yeah. know, obviously you're, that's how a conversation goes. You react to the person yeah, across from hope. you. But it's so <laughs> wild how we see a script and we, we forget how conversations work. That's so <laughs> like <funny>. somebody <laughs> writes out your lines and like, you can't talk anymore. Um, yeah, it's yeah. so funny because I mean, cause I still do that every, I mean, I'm sure. And it's also uh, so, probably
1: coming from like starting with writing and then moving into script reading. It's like you have to shift how your brain is thinking about it.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, it's so easy to read lines and to hear like a sort of pattern of speech in your head and then to, to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And that I've learned that nothing will kill a performance faster than that. There's nothing less compelling than watching somebody read lines. All you have to be doing mm-hmm. is thinking and that's enough to keep us involved. But if you're just thinking the like the line that you're about to say. It's yeah. the least interesting thing in the world. Uh, so I do, I cover up the page and I write, and I I'll, I'll either write down thoughts then, or sometimes I'll go back and not, like not do it till the second time. So I have like a clean page for the first time through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a pretty much repetition. Um, I always try to like uh, like Facetime with friends. Uh, it was a really big rehearsal. Was a really big part of the like culture and commute community in LeslieCon. Mm-hmm. Uh so we're, we lean on each other. And especially now that I live out here, you know, people will yeah. call me to FaceTime. Call me to FaceTime. Yeah. You know, so I, then I like, then I just run it as much as I can, you know, trying to not get stuck in like habits of doing it this a certain way, trying to like remember to, to think, to like listen and react every single time. Then while also remembering like all of the, the you know, actions you may have to do or the, the like mm-hmm. the, the way the scene goes you know, all the like yeah. memorization stuff for me yeah. happens through repetition. Yeah. Yeah. But And also all that, like it, it's kind of, it was a really lengthy process when I started, like when Leslie taught us all how to do it. And, you know, I, I took, I took class with her for a year um, and it was a lot of like, you know, sort of doing it the like really slow way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it's become like a muscle, like that it's yeah. gotten a lot faster. And like, if I have a one page audition, I could prep it in an hour. Yeah.
1: Is it a pretty long prep time until you're shooting? Or is, it, is that also kind of a quick turn around?
0: depends. I mean, I honestly also haven't had enough, like, jobs that shoot for a really long time to have very much mm-hmm. experience. Like, my one really cool TV job I had, I was working across from a very experienced actor. And so watching him, I was like, okay, maybe this is how they do it. Because he pretty, he, he would be reading his, you know, they give you size, like a little packet with uh, the script that you're, all yeah. the pages that you're recording that day. Yeah. Um, he'd be, like, learning his lines, like, right before. Oh, my god. <laughs> but gosh. he was also the lead for the whole show. So it's different yeah. to memorize, you know, 40 pages of text versus my eight pages of text. Definitely. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it just kind of depends. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure once you get to that point where you're, especially when they're doing rewrites all the time and when you're getting your pages, like, the day of. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it gets to a point where you just you know that character and yeah. whatever they tell you to say you can say you know roughly it or I mean, at least on the project we were on there was a this is good deal of like not improvisation even but uh, just a, people adding just a little bit of yeah of their own texture. touch kind
1: of yeah yeah, yeah. nice is the show out by the way it's not I heard it. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah we'll see it'll okay. be on CBS All Access. Okay, cool. And it's called interrogation. And okay. I don't know what
1: it yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. That's okay. I'm just curious because I, I heard you talk about that I think on the other podcast that you were on, so I was just curious about it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, I'm I love what you're saying about conversation and having to make it like having to think actually instead of just like reading lines. Because even what I'm doing with this podcast is kind of a study in conversation. And it's yeah. something I realized after the first episodes, because the first couple ones, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with them, but I was so in my head for the first couple that it was just like, I couldn't I wasn't like spontaneously thinking I was like overthinking mm-hmm. while the other person was talking as opposed to reacting from them to them. And I think that is a practice and that's probably a huge practice in acting like that's what you're practicing in acting is just this ability to react spontaneously. But of yes, with something exactly. that's already written for you. Yeah. And so I'm just like making all these connections
0: now. No, I love that. You're so right. That is yeah. so true. And like really, it is it, sort of I think the primary challenge for most people is being able to like have that childlike belief and sense that this is the first time this is happening, mm-hmm. like to, to like let yourself really believe that when you're in the moment. Yeah. It's tough. It's like there's it so, you know, we, we a lot of people call it actor brain. It's like this part yeah. of you that's watching yourself um, that's like, you know, saying you said that you you pronounced that word weird or you said those two words flipped. They're written the other way in the script or mm-hmm. you should step a little bit this way. Like that's all. Those are all like actor thoughts. Actor Don't we all thoughts. have
1: those thoughts? I mean, I have those thoughts on a
0: daily basis
1: in normal conversations. Yeah,
0: exactly. so that's <laughs> kind of normal. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And you do like you need that. Like, of course, it has to be there because you do have to be on your mark and you do have to do things in the right order. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, I remember actually learning this in theater school, this image uh, of like a a child who plays with a stick and believes that it's like playing it with it like it's a boat. Mm -hmm. Like they believe that that stick, the stick is completely a boat at that moment, but they don't not see a stick. Right. They're not, their brains aren't like building a ship right there that they're saying it's a stick, but they're pretending they're children. That's what they do. Like, it makes so much sense when you put it into mm-hmm. like, terms of a child, but yeah. like, that's what we have to do as actors and probably as creatives of, of all sort is to like, see it as more than one thing and like, believe it, like really believe the, the, that you're like the, the thing that you're playing pretends. Um, yeah. It's, that's definitely a practice.
1: Absolutely, it's inter- I kind of I wanted to ask you this question, which you kind of already just answered. So we were talking about um, how being an actor is often related just to the business side of it, because that's kind of the day-to-day work. But do you like in your mind when you are doing it? Is being an actor being an artist, and in what way?
0: Hmm. This is so interesting. I really I kind of have this like conversation with myself a lot and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because lately I have felt so much like a, like a craftsperson, like, um, like that what I do is, um, is, is like a tangible skill that I've like built over time with training and that I can execute it. And then Mm -hmm. for the most part, I can, I do what I think, what I believe to be the professional thing to do, which is like, leave it there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to step away from work and like not, not carry it with me for the most part. Not that I don't think about it, but to not like carry the weight of whatever's going on. But I, I know that it is inherently an art, but lately, I don't know. I've been having a hard time calling myself an artist. I've really, I really think of myself as like a very skilled craftsman. And in a way Mm. that almost feels something I'm almost more proud of that.
1: Really? That's interesting. And how do you think that's not being an artist? Because I think arts and crafts are kind of, they're they're together, you know, they're, we always talk about arts and crafts.
0: That's true. I guess if I were to think about like pottery, like I have a friend here in town who's a really talented potter and Mm -hmm. that's definitely an art form. And then the craft is being able to repeat it. Like she's built these, like she's designed and created these beautiful, totally unique mugs mostly and then she makes a bunch of them for sale and in a way that's right. kind of that's kind of like what I do too like I build yeah I sit there with the page and I build the structure I understand the story um and I write the you know the inner monologue or some version of it something that's going to be relatively close to what happens and yeah. then I repeat it and I have to do it either a bunch of different nights if it's a play or a bunch of different takes if it's movie or TV show so yeah I guess I guess both of those are kind of both now that I kind of work it out out loud
1: yeah I I think sometimes that's what we need to do but that makes sense because what the process of woodworking that you were talking about like Mm -hmm. chipping away to try to find that character I mean I think that is the part of it that's the art and then like you said the repetition can be the can be the craft
0: I love that (laughs) yeah it really does feel like that like um like chipping away like Mm -hmm. finding everything that's not useful like because the practice feels like I have to try so many things that could work and then I find mm-hmm. the things that feel most truthful and those tend to stick you know not that every time you do a thing yeah. is going to be the same it's never going to be the same twice but yeah, yeah those sort absolutely. of like anchors I'm a big like physical person like I have a background in dance like you um, oh really do you yeah know? I danced all the way through That's high cool. school I loved it I missed it so much until I started doing yoga I needed something yeah
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think
1: dance and theater lend each other to themselves so much because I know that my theater background has enhanced my dance, and I'm sure the opposite is true.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, understanding your whole physical body and where you are in space is weirdly a skill that not everybody has.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so true. I know. It's it's bizarre. You can see actors that really don't know, don't have a lot of spatial awareness. It's very obvious.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, and it's it's really cool how much it really does. Benefit you like how how mm-hmm. how just practical and useful it is to like um to be able to like just have like spatial awareness and like know exactly where I am in space because like you're you do so much in film and television like uh, having to understand like where things are when you're not looking at them like you have to know where your marks are and stuff and theater is the same way because you yeah. have to be in so many different places on the stage but you have to be exactly the same spot every time if there's any spots or stuff like that yeah. Yeah, so I I know that has definitely helped.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Do you still do any stage acting?
0: I haven't in a while. I haven't since. When I lived in LA, I did a a play called In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play, which is arguably my favorite play ever. Oh, I did that in Santa Barbara. uh, And I I had weirdly done the same show in college like a year before. Wow. And then yeah, I did that show in Santa Barbara in what, 2016, I guess, spring of 2016, and that mm-hmm. was the last time I did a play. I miss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the the like reality of the film and television job at at the point that I'm at right now is just that if I were to sign up for any play or anything, I would have to be like, if you know, if my agent calls me for an audition and we have a matinee, I can't be at our matinee. Like, you know, right. when it comes to like film and television, like, you, I think you know that, it to be there. You, yeah, you really, people, I've seen people really benefit from it being their top priority. And I've seen people yeah. really lose opportunities that were theirs <laughs> because they decided oh. that something else was more important. Yeah. And it's, so I guess it's kind of a luxury. It is. Well, it is. It's, it's yeah. like, I think it's, it, it, almost like a catch 22 in this business, like that you, you have nothing to do so much, but you can't fill your time with stuff that you can't get out of. Because right. it, like, if, if it doesn't come first, that opportunity will move right on without you and never think twice. Yeah. And it's so scary yeah. and it's so, and it requires you to be in a life of such privilege. Like it, mm-hmm. it has required me to have, I mean, I have a day job, but it's very right. flexible and my boss is in the business and understands. <laughs> that's so, perfect. Yeah. I think that's if, ideal. If that's not the case. That's like it, and it you know, and I didn't always have a great day job. You know, my parents helped me a lot. So that's just mm-hmm. a reality of like I think it's if you don't have any financial support, I don't I don't yeah. know how it's possible. Just on yeah. like a practical. I
1: imagine, space, yeah. And, you know. I imagine it's quite tricky because you're really working on this project to pro- project basis and in between it's just these like bizarre existential periods of not really, I mean, I, I relate to that too, even just, I mean, I'm always teaching, but as a choreographer, it's like project to project in between. I don't always know what I'm doing artistically. Mm-hmm. And it can be, it can be kind of weird to go through those cycles.
0: Yeah, for sure. It, I, and I needed, I, I, I think it's important to have like something else that you can do to like, make you, that, that you find like fun and pleasurable and creative like, in the mm-hmm. early days, when I first got out of college, uh, I like Instagram was a big one for me being able to take pictures, yeah. and write captions, and that just felt like an outlet. Uh, it's fallen, it's become less of a, you know, something I've wanted to do, like, creatively in recent years, but it, that was sure. a huge, super useful thing. And, you know, then having, you know, being in getting involved in the industry here and having other Ways to even if I'm not acting, you know, I can be teaching or attending workshops or peer classes yeah. or that kind of thing. Just got yeah, to stay on always it. Have
1: something, <laughs> yeah, have something fulfilling, I think, in the meantime. That always Absolutely.
0: helps. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have any sort of specific aspirations for the future? Mm. Or is it kind of taking things step by step?
0: Well, I think right now I feel like I'm really... I'm letting the path show itself to me. Um, I'm doing my my best to like use my periods of downtime to take excellent care of myself, um, yeah. which is a practice and one that I am sometimes good at and sometimes terrible at.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's normal.
0: <laughs> yes. yes, I think that's true. Um, and then, you know, just, just being prepared to bust my ass as soon as I get the opportunity to like it mm-hmm. I I'm it's, I think I am lucky because I kind of thrive in periods of like feast and famine mm-hmm. it's always been like you know like 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 my theater school and like my yoga teacher training yeah. was the same thing where it's like it's like all or nothing like you do it all in yep. for an extent like for a short period of time and then it's done um mm-hmm. Which has also created some, like, interesting challenges, especially in my, like, early, like, out-of-college career of just not having direction, like, not having somebody tell me what to do so I didn't know what to do because yeah. I'd been in these rigorous programs for so long. I can
1: relate so much to that. And I think I work like that as well, but the famine periods are the – that's the that's the hardest thing. I don't know. Are you still an artist when you're not actually in the process of creating?
0: Right, that's sort of yeah. yeah. I'm like, can I call myself an actor if I didn't do any acting today? Can I call myself an actor if I didn't do anything to further my career today? I try not to let days right. like that go by, but yeah, um, they still do, and I I try yeah. to yeah still. And you still are, but it's yeah. it's a hard thing
1: to like deal with with yourself. I yeah. yeah,
0: I know that conversation. I understand that. For sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's also, it's also I think now that I'm something about this you know my my new job in the casting office news since it's like may now but it still feels so new um yeah it has helped me like really feel like some purpose outside of that because between those between the two of them there's always something happening for the most part between acting and casting um yeah. so i think that having you know if, if you like you know if i were to to give advice to someone else in a market in a situation like mine, I would say having two things like that is so nice being in, having a a foot in Mm -hmm. two parts of the industry is Mm. really good. But I also know that that I've also heard that that can be um, a detriment to people that people who are maybe Mm. really excel in something else uh, can get discouraged by, by the people above them saying, don't be another actor when you're so good at this um oh yeah that can be tricky I'm so lucky because my boss is incredible and so supportive but I know that it can be it can go the other way too yeah
1: absolutely are you are you working on anything creative at the moment
0: um yeah I actually just uh booked a little like mini series that'll be on AT&T audience network Um, um yeah I'm gearing up for that I'll be shooting like I think like seven to 15 days in the next couple months so yeah i'm excited congratulations thank you thank you yeah i'm excited for that that's sort of the big thing i have planned on the docket and then after that we'll see after that it's gonna be the holidays and this this time always gets weird after thanksgiving things tend to stop shooting so and then winter can be weird here because like we're it's the high desert here in new mexico so it can be yeah. cold in the winter and it snows and so some stuff shuts down yeah. and so we'll just see. Gear it up for an yeah, extra
1: <laughs> it might be like a, a calmer period after that.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah that but it'll be kind of nice. Yes. And it'll definitely be interesting. There's there's always something mm-hmm. going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you do anything outside of theater acting that's kind of a creative outlet for you?
0: I think that my yoga practice kind of fulfills like the part of me that dancing used to
1: yeah absolutely
0: like I I I really like I'm really glad I went to yoga teacher training even though I don't teach anymore. I only taught for like a year um yeah but I like the like having the foundation to know that I can safely bring myself through a practice in a in what feels like a dance you know where I can like move between places and i know i'm doing it safely and responsibly but i still get that feeling Mm -hmm. that fluid movement feeling of dance um is definitely really i don't know if it feels like outwardly creative but it's definitely like fulfilled that like part of me that needs to like wiggle around in a in a creative way (laughs) and when you're leading
1: yourself through practice it is creative because you're you're moving through those transitions by yourself and Yeah, making those choices in the moment. So yeah, and
0: listening to the body and yeah, that it it feels very much like stuff we used to do in college, like warm up kind of stuff, movement thing.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Do you do that almost daily?
0: Yeah, I try to. Um, It's I I think of it as my my faith practice. Um, Mm. My 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 because I have you know I have the prayers that I was taught. And the, yeah. the mantras that I was given and assigned to do more than I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> so I try, you know, the same way that as a kid, I was I was no good as a Catholic. I'm I'm no good <laughs> as a yogi, but it's my faith practice now. So I do try to do it. As yeah. As well. I, think,
1: I think it's like taking what's given to you and then adopting yeah. it into your own way of practicing faith. You know, I think yeah. that's what it is for everyone. Taking whatever tools you need. I think it's good to have some sort of faith practice, both just as an artist and as a human being, because it's so grounding. You know, like we can get so inside of our heads, or you know, inside of your body, or inside of a character, and to have that sense of like faith grounding you, it's It's very important. True,
0: it's so true. I really push that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm from the Bible Belt, so I pushed that away really hard for the (laughs) first eighteen plus years of my life, probably all the way through college. But I think it. I think it took somebody teaching me to pray in a different language. It had to be separated from like the the Catholic school upbringing. And then I yeah. was like, oh, well, this is not only good, but I think necessary.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you have other kind of daily rituals that help enhance your creative self? and it's funny because whenever I ask this everyone assumes I mean morning rituals I don't specifically mean in the morning it could be any time of day everyone's like oh I don't have a morning routine I'm terrible I'm like no no any anything any time of day
0: That's okay. um so, yeah. I don't I mean I just moved uh to a home yeah. from an apartment so I like feel mm-hmm. just that my whole the whole sense of routine any semblance of routine I may have had before is totally out the window <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but um it's always like that in moving yeah but definitely my my yoga practice my prayer practice um which mm. typically does happen in the morning but if i don't do it in the morning and i feel like doing it later i'll do it at any time with mm. no guilt <laughs> um, perfect yeah i i at least i can accept that i'm imperfect <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> that's important self-awareness back to yeah. that <laughs>
0: Um, but outside of that, I mean, a big a big like ritual that I do is like warming up in my car before, like before I go on my way to work or on my way to an audition, um, mm-hmm. having a, a cup of coffee in one cup holder, an ice, co- uh, an ice water in the other cold cup holder. And nice. then warming up <laughs> on my way is like because the, I, you know, I do like my vocal warm up and then I do like mm. the, the prayers that we sing um, in my practice. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like a very poignant one. But I I love to do it yeah, in more on the way. So it you know it only happens in Perfect. something when I'm going somewhere. To
1: yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's something magical about like driving and having like music or you're talking to yourself. Like I I was always like that as well. It's just like, a, it's a perfect little compact space, I think, to it is, and express it's so, yourself, get yourself ready. Being in
0: LA where like, where everybody can see you is so nice too. Like oh, here, yeah. I'll be driving down a highway where there's like nobody around and I can be screaming my lungs, and, they could, and I could have my windows down and they wouldn't even know.
1: <laughs> perfect. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Well, is there anything we haven't really touched on? Maybe something that you're working on at the moment or something else you just wanted to add before mm-hmm. we wrap up?
0: No, I think I'm, I'm excited about all the things that I've mentioned, but those are those are kind of the good. big ones for the time being.
1: Perfect. Well, I <laughs> will put all of those in the show notes. Um, and then, where can people find your work?
0: Um, you can find me on my website, Ellen Humphreys dot com. Um, my IMDb page is always a good place to look at because it is weirdly like helpful when people click on it. It makes this like number go up when a lot of people are looking oh, at amazing. it. And like, in theory, if someone who's making a casting decision were to look at my page and that number was up, it would be a good thing. Mm, <laughs> so, well, I've
1: been looking at it a lot lately for like, research, well, so well, I'm glad you. to have helped you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're welcome. <laughs> so the IMDb is always good, and uh, I'm the Maverickess on um, Instagram also.
1: Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I will share all of that as well.
0: Okay. Thank you
1: well, so much for sharing all of your process with me. <laughs> you
0: too. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of your day.
1: You can find links to Ellen's work, social media, and everything mentioned in this episode through the show notes at rubyjosephine.com under the podcast tab. To make sure you stay up to date with new creative conversations, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, or follow at Process Piece on Instagram, and me if you want to just hang out and chat more personally at Ruby Josephine Smith on Instagram. Also make sure to subscribe to my weekly newsletter for writing about art and creativity, links to cool inspiring things on the internet, and the latest episodes delivered directly to your inbox. I hope you've been loving this podcast, and if you have, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating or review on iTunes, or even better, share this episode or your favorite conversation on social media or pass it along to your friends. Let's have more conversations about art. A huge thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for composing the music for this podcast, and thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.